Good morning. I'm sharing a series of sermons during the month of June entitled, Followers Become Leaders. And the idea is that if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're to be a leader of others. We've looked at kingdom leaders. Last week, I shared with you that followers of Jesus become church leaders. And so we talked about different roles of church leadership. One of those being deacons. We looked at the qualifications for deacons. And so today, at the close of this service, you'll have the opportunity to nominate two men to be deacons in our church and also to elect to our deacon council. And um, we'll take those up after the offering. Or if you're not ready, if you need to pray about that, that's certainly good. And you'll have the opportunity to turn that in next Sunday or the following week. Today, I want to share with you that followers of Jesus become family leaders. So we want to talk about family leaders today. And today I want to challenge husbands and wives and dads and moms to be intentional spiritual leaders in your homes, in your family. Um, Families tend to drift if there's no intentional leadership. They just drift. A lot of families don't intend to be unspiritual or unchurched. It's just that life goes on and they just sort of drift that way if there's no leadership. It reminds me of the story of a little boy named Johnny whose family didn't go to church real regularly. But uh, when Johnny had a baby brother, another child born to the family, his parents took them to church, and they wanted to do a parent-child dedication service uh, for the little baby. And on the way home from that service, uh, Johnny, in the back seat, was just crying uncontrollably. And his parents said, Johnny, what's the matter? And he said, the pastor said that we should be raised in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. Easy for families to drift unintentionally if there's no spiritual leadership. So, I want to challenge you from Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4 gives us some help. If you're a single mom, if you're a dad, if you're a couple, if you're a husband and a wife, a head of household with no children, there's wisdom here about family leadership. And so I want to talk to you about parenting and about family leadership from Proverbs chapter 4. The first verse says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. So it says in that verse that the job of fathers is to teach their children, especially sons. This is a book written to young men, and so it talks about sons. The advice applies equally to daughters and to mothers, but the specific context here is, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. So if you're a father, you're to be teaching your kids, and if you're a son or a daughter, then you're to be listening to your parents. That's part of God's plan for you. You know, there's a a term that's very common now that I don't ever remember when I was a kid. It's the term homeschooled. And that is that that some uh, parents homeschool their kids and they don't send them to public schools. 
But there's a sense in which every Christian child ought to be homeschooled. Even if you send your kids to public schools and have the help of public school teachers, there's still the responsibility to fathers instruct your kids. Uh, it says in the second verse, I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. And I want you to hear here that there's a gender-specific role. We believe that the Bible teaches that there are gender-specific roles in a family. That there's a role for fathers, and there's a role for mothers, and there's a God-ordained responsibility there. And so fathers, ideally, will take the lead in teaching their sons. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. And you know, we're not going to get much support from the culture on gender-specific roles anymore, are we? This week, Oregon became the first state in America to allow you a third option on your driver's license. Now there's male, female, or non-specified, and so you can be non-binary and not declare a gender now in Oregon. This week, the United Methodist Church, the third largest Christian body in the United States behind Roman Catholic and Southern Baptist ordained their first non-binary clergy person in Chicago. This person goes simply by the first initial M so that there's no masculine or female first name. M. Barclay uses the pronoun they rather than the pronoun he or she and ordained this week first non-binary clergyman in the United Methodist Church. I'm simply saying that to say we know that's where our culture is headed, so you're going to get less and less support if you believe that the Bible teaches gender-specific roles, that there is a biblical masculinity and a biblical femininity, and it is now even more important, you get the help of Bible-believing churches, but it's even more important that families are going to have to teach gender roles and gender responsibilities and it says, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Well, how do we do this? What are we supposed to teach? How can we be leaders in our family? rest of this chapter, I want to share with you just three simple but profound principles that Proverbs 4 gives us about how to lead your families and parent your kids. Number one, learn from the example of your parents. The first piece of advice that this uh, chapter gives us about teaching children and parenting is learn from the example of your parents. Verse 3, for I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands and you will live. So Solomon wrote most of this book. So Solomon is remembering his experience when he was a little kid, very tender, starts very young. And his father David instructed him and he's remembering that and that's the frame of reference for his parenting and his advice to others. You see, most of us, uh, we're not very prepared to be parents, are we? You're young. You know, why don't they give you kids when you're old and, and you've got a lot more wisdom? It's because you don't have any energy. So they give them to you when you're young and you've got the energy, but they don't come with an instruction manual. You know, you, how do you know how to parent? When I became a parent, 
I was very unprepared for that. I was an only child, had no younger siblings, had no nieces, nephews, hadn't been around little kids very much, and now you got one of your own. What is this, you know? But before you register to vote, you can get a kid, you know? So they don't come with any instructions and we're not prepared. So the frame of reference that I had is just what Solomon says here, is I went back to my parents and the example that I had from them. So I want to ask you, each of you here, on this Father's Day, I want you to think back and remember your parents, as he's saying in these two verses, and I want you to think about, ask yourself two questions. The first question is, what did they do well? What did your parents do well in spiritual, your spiritual development that prepared you to follow Christ, that prepared you for life? What, think about your, when you were a kid now, what did your parents do well? Think about that. Now here's what you need to do. Do that. Do that. Whatever has made an impression upon you that helped you in your spiritual life, do that. Now I want you to ask yourself a second question. What do you wish that your parents had done better? What do you wish your parents had done differently? What would have helped you more be ready for this point in your life? What do you see that you wish had been different about your spiritual upbringing? I want you to think about that question for a moment. Don't do that, okay? That's really what these verses are saying. David Hubbard says, wise parenting is breaking bad cycles and continuing good cycles. I think there's a lot of truth in that. I want to be in a link in the chain. As I look back at my parents, uh, I'm not going to tell you the things they didn't do well. I'm just not going to share that with you publicly. I'll share you two things they did well. My parents took me to church. They ingrained church in me, and it has blessed my life. And my parents, I knew from them that the Bible was a really special book. As a young kid, I I got that the Bible was revered, was to be written, that it was different from other books. Those are two things that my parents share with me, so I want to do that in my my kids and now in my grandkids. So I'm asking you to do that same thing. Here's, Here's the thing as a frame of reference. Continue good patterns. You're a link in a chain. If you had some good parents that did some good things, you need to continue. Don't break that chain. Don't you be the generation that breaks that chain. And if you didn't have anything, you didn't have any spiritual upbringing, didn't have any church background, then, then you've got the opportunity to start a new cycle. You can break a bad cycle and start a new cycle, and that's a tremendous opportunity for you. And that's what he's saying here, to reflect back on your experience and learn from that. The second thing that we learn from this chapter is teach your family to value wisdom above all else. Verses 5 through 9, the key word is wisdom. All through this section, it's talking about the supreme value of wisdom. In verse 5, the first two words are the key words that sum up these, this section. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. So we're going to talk about both of those words. Let's start with wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, we're in Proverbs 4. If you started reading the book at the beginning, 
you would know what wisdom is by the time he gets to chapter 4 and says get wisdom because he's already defined it. It has a two-part definition, two components to wisdom. So let's back up for a moment and learn what wisdom is. The first component of wisdom introduced in the very prologue of the book, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom, instruction, and knowledge are synonyms, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So there is a spiritual component to wisdom. So wisdom's not being smart or crafty, that's good or prudent, but wisdom is basically spiritual, and you are not wise if there is not a fear of the Lord, a reverence for a holy God, the creator, the coming judge. There is a reverence and an awe of God. That's the foundation of wisdom. And so you want to communicate that to your family. The second component of wisdom in chapter 3, verse 7 do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. We already got that one. And now he adds the second one. And shun evil. And so there's a moral component to, to wisdom. And you are not wise if there is not character in your life, no matter how many degrees or how smart you are. There is a moral component. And so these are the two things that you want to communicate the value of to your family. Teach them to fear the Lord and to shun evil. Spirituality and morality. God and character. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the revelation of the Bible. And so let's go to the New Testament for a moment to get the full picture of what wisdom is. And in the New Testament, the fullness of God's revelation, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And it says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, starting with the last part of chapter of verse 2, that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in Christ sums up a fear of the Lord and the power to live a righteous life. And in a re, so it, to teach your children wisdom is to introduce them to a relationship with Jesus Christ because he sums up all of wisdom. So, we're back to Proverbs 4, and the other key word is to get. Get wisdom, get understanding. That word get means, it could be translated two ways, has two connotations. The first is to buy or purchase. Get is often translated in Hebrew to buy or to purchase. You get that sense in verse uh, 7. Let's skip to verse 7. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. You see, the idea of value, to value wisdom and so, if it cost you everything you had, if you couldn't give your family anything else, buy wisdom. Purchase, sell everything and purchase wisdom. You, you get the idea there of the value of wisdom? The other word, thing that this word get means, purchase it, buy it, it means to marry, like you get a wife. And so, wisdom is personified in these verses as a female. Now, think about that. This is a book written for young men. What better way to make a quality attractive than to personify it as a girl, right? So that's what the writer does here. So let me read to you verses, uh, uh, verse 6 and then 8 through 9. Do, verse 6, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Verse 8, cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. You get the idea here, guys? The best relationship you need 
even more than a girlfriend, you make sure you have a relationship with wisdom, relationship with Jesus Christ, that you shun evil and you fear the Lord. You get wisdom. You value it above everything else. You marry wisdom. You date wisdom. You go after wisdom. She will protect you. You, you embrace her and she will benefit you. And so it's saying that, so from a parent's perspective then, are you communicating that wisdom, fear the Lord, shun evil, relationship with Christ, most important thing to you? Let me give you a test. If I asked your kids, moms, what does your mom value most, her phone or her Bible? What would your kids say? Dads, if I ask you, your kids, what do you value most, college football or church? What would they say? Deer hunting or church? What would they say? What do you value? The way you communicate the value of wisdom is that you value it above everything else. And when you value it, they get the idea that this is valuable. That fearing the Lord, shunning evil, knowing Jesus Christ is valuable. Get wisdom. The third thing we learn about leading our families from Proverbs 4 is guide your children on the right path. Guide your children on the right path. Verses 10 through 19, the key word is path. And there are a lot of words about a road or travel or set foot or stumble. Listen for those kind of words as we go through this section that relate to walking a path. Here's the idea, parents. We can't go with our kids all the way on the road. Some parents do, helicopter parents, you know, try to go the whole road. You can't go. They're going on a road. They're going to go beyond you. Can't go the whole road, but you can set them on the right path. You can get them pointed in the right direction. Start them on the right road. They wander off of it. It's their accountability, but your responsibility is to set them on the right path, on the right road. And there's two aspects of that in these verses in this passage we're going to read verses 10 through 19 there is positive or offensive parenting and there's negative or defensive parenting and what some of us do we get the negative that probably comes the most uh, natural don't speed don't drink, don't do drugs, don't get pregnant, don't, you know, don't, we got the don'ts, you know, we got the negative. We're trying to stop some things. That is defensive parenting. I don't want my kids to get in trouble. I don't want them to break the law. I don't want them to, to do this. So we get to all the don'ts. That's negative. But, what, but you want more than your kids just to not be some stuff. Are you doing any positive or offensive parenting? Is there any positive truth? Are you just telling your kids, don't do this, don't do this? Is there any positive? So this section has four verses on each one. Listen to them as we go through. Verse 10 through 13 is the offensive, the positive. Listen, my son, to accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths when you walk your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. 
So those verses are all about a positive direction on a path of more than just telling your kids, don't be this, but this is what character is. This is what a man or a woman of God is like, that positive instruction. And then the next four verses are the negative, which has a place in parenting. Here's the do nots, verse 14. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evils. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way, for they cannot rest until they do evil. They're robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. And so the passage ends in verse 18 and 19 with a contrast between these two roads or two ways. Guys, you got, you got two ways to live. The more I read the Bible, the more amazed I am that it always comes down to two choices. We like to think there's a lot of ways. Well, I'm sort of on the right path, or I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in between. And boy, the Bible just repeatedly forces us into two ways. You remember the Sermon on the Mount when I preached on it? And it ended with there are two gates, two roads, two kind of trees, two kind of foundations. Jesus just hammered that two choice. And, and so, this passage does the same thing. Psalm 1 does the same thing. You're either on the right road or you're not. There's two ways, and it's so critical that you get on that right way. So verses 18 and 19, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day, but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And it is saying you choose the wrong way. It's going to be like walking in the dark and you're going to stumble. But there is insight and blessing to the path of following Jesus Christ and living his word. Let me go through this passage one more time and show you the benefits. Because what there all throughout this passage... There are these benefits. A lot of times, young people, you think, ah, I know I ought to live a right life. I ought to follow Christ. And, and it's going to, but it's, you know, it's tough. Yeah, it's, it can be tough. But this passage says it's the, by far the best for you. It emphasizes the benefits of it. God designed life. He knows how life ought to work. You follow his life, you'll be happier in many ways. Let me show you these verses about the benefits. Let's just go through them again. Verse 4, take hold of my words with your heart, keep my commands, and you'll live. Verse 4, you want to really live? Take hold of his words. Verse 6, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. You want some protection? And then verse 10, what about this? Listen, my son, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. Now certainly a person who's on the right path can get hit by a truck and die young. That's true. But the best chance that you have for living a long life is following the path that God lays out for you. And verse 12, when you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. You want life to go well? The best chance you have for life going well is to follow the owner's manual of the one who created life, and his name is Jesus. Two ways before you. Which will you choose? If you're a parent, mom or dad, a husband or wife, will you take up the challenge to intentionally lead your family, learn from, the, from the, your experience, whether it's good or bad. Continue good cycles and break bad ones. Show your family that wisdom 
and the things that make it up are more valuable than anything else. And set your family on the right path, the path that will lead to blessing. Let me pray for you. Would you bow with me, please? Father in heaven, for followers of Jesus here today who are parents, oh God, that's a tough role. Give them strength, wisdom, and guidance. And today, Lord, I pray that they will rise up to say, in this culture, I must be an intentional leader. It depends on me. God, I need your help. Help me as I raise these kids, this child. Lord, help me to have wisdom, to value it. Help me to set them on the right path. Help me to learn from and not be defined by my past. Oh, God, I want to be a leader in my family. And, Lord, I want to pray for those today who are considering the path that their life's going to take. Recent high school graduates, college students, young adults, kids, teenagers. Lord, I pray that you'll help them to see the right path is the good path. And I pray that even today some would come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. In his name I pray, amen.